Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys. This is a podcast from CBS News, and I am your host. Every week, we discuss issues including disability and gender. Not only is it Black History Month, but this week marks the 23rd anniversary of National Black HIV-AIDS Awareness Day. It began as a grassroots effort to raise awareness about HIV and AIDS prevention, care, and treatment in a community that has been disproportionately affected by the epidemic. In 1991, Lakers star Magic Johnson stunned the world when he announced that he was retiring after being diagnosed with HIV. In an exclusive interview with CBS's Gail King in November, he said he found out from the NBA team's doctor. Well, I just lost it right there. You yeah. know, you just sit there and say, what does this mean? Uh, am I going to die? Because I definitely asked him that. Johnson's wife, Cookie, said at first she didn't want to announce it because of the stigma of AIDS. At that time, people weren't educated, so they thought you couldn't touch people, yeah. you couldn't hug people. Um, and I didn't want people to treat us like we were lepers. Johnson, now 62, says he still takes medication every day to keep the virus undetectable. Mark Meacham at Vive Healthcare, who serves on the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV-AIDS, has been fighting the illness for more than 15 years. He says even now, there are still barriers to reducing new HIV cases among black people, including racism and homophobia. We asked him why. That conversation after this short break. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. One issue is the silence around HIV. I think broadly in society, both in Black society and American society in general, there's the idea that we've HIV is over, that we don't have to worry about it anymore. But the reality is, is that uh, over uh, 42, about 42 percent of the people living with HIV in the U.S. are Black people. And then when you look at the different groups, of, for example, Black women are 14 times more likely to acquire HIV than white women. Um, so we have definitely the disparities have been enduring. They were there at the beginning of the epidemic, and there wasn't the visibility to the epidemic in different communities and communities of color. And I think all of that has played into it. And when we're talking about black women, we're talking uh, bla- about black women who are not part of the LGBT community. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, men who have sex with men are the most affected group by HIV. And when you break that down by race, the lifetime incidence for a black man who has a, who's gay, bisexual, has sex with men is one out of two. So when you look at other groups for Latino men, that number is one out of four. When you look at white MSM, that number is one out of 11. 
I remember back when black churches would literally say, instead of saying that someone died from AIDS, that they were dying from cancer. Is it still that much of a stigma in the black community? Uh, absolutely. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, I hear, hear stories, you know, I haven't been out about as much uh, during the COVID period, but right before I was still hearing stories of people and the families where they didn't allow people to use uh, a fork. So they would give people living with HIV a paper plate and a paper fork because they thought it might be transmitted that way. Um, it's a terrible burden particularly on uh, women in terms of destroying their community. So the church community can often be rejecting of folks living with HIV. Uh, friends can be rejecting of HIV. And there's still that, again, that stigma around how it actually can be transmitted. So absolutely, we have not um, improved on that as much as we should. Is that because there is more homophobia and transphobia, really, in, in the Black community? Because people who aren't part of the LGBT community are like, what, what's going on with this? We don't understand. We're afraid of you. Well, I certainly think that uh, it's kind of a tale of two cities. On the one hand, things have, have uh, vastly improved in terms of visibility for LGBT people. So on TV, uh, radio, n- numerous places in media, there's more representation. But at the same time, there's still that, that stigma, that core belief. And, and I would say it is more pronounced in the South that people we hear from people directly that it's viewed as a strike against you. And so we've heard from black men in the South that, you know, that living in the South as a black man is a strike against you. Uh, Being a gay black man is a second strike. And then getting HIV is a third strike. And I know there have been many studies done about the level of racism in the healthcare system. Is that also affecting people's ability to get everything from just basically being tested to prevention and treatment? Absolutely. We see uh, uh, systemic issues in uh, in prevention and treatment. And just to pick up on the prevention side, often uh, we've we've heard stories of, of women who have gone in and, to, and sought PrEP, uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV, and have been quizzed by the, the, their physician about, well, why would you need this? I thought you were married. Are you in a, in a stable single relationship? And if you are, then you should, would not need HIV. And that's really just the opposite of what we need. If people believe in themselves to be a risk of HIV, really, it shouldn't be the clinician making a determination or whether that person needs access to PrEP. They should really get that access to PrEP. So we definitely see people uh, being discouraged and having trouble accessing it. And uh, unfortunately, some of those people having trouble accessing it, then acquiring HIV while they're trying to get on PrEP. I wonder if you can talk to us about some of the things that can be done to fix this. I mean, it has been such a scourge on the community for such a long time, and it doesn't seem like that much is changing. Well, I think one of the things is that I definitely, you know, we look at this when we talk about this, the statistics and the stigma, et cetera, it can be discouraging. I think people, I want people in our community, the black community, to be encouraged around the fact that we can end the HIV epidemic. I think in terms of the science, um, we have a, a, a really great tool set. We have HIV treatment. HIV treatment is uh, better than it's ever been in terms of tolerability and in terms of potency and effectiveness. Uh, people who are on HIV treatment can live a normal lifespan. And additionally, being on HIV treatment can prevent you from passing that on to a partner. And so that's a critical to a sexual partner. So that's a critical bit of knowledge that's really not widely dispersed out there outside of the uh, uh, the healthcare community. 
Um, another factor that we have is PrEP. So we have treatments uh, that you can take to prevent HIV, uh, both, both um, oral treatments, uh, daily treat, uh, oral daily treatments. We also have injectable uh, treatments for PrEP uh, that was just approved that can be taken uh, every two months, so six times a year. Um, and these are things that people that kind of the advancement and the innovation in HIV are things that people aren't often aware of. And when you look at those disparities we talked about, um, certain groups are benefiting from that standard of care, which is that combination of HIV treatment and the effect of that eliminating transmission and then the effect of PrEP uh, being used to reduce transmission. And so their rates are going down, whereas our rates uh, are going up. So between the last two data points for black people living with HIV, we were at 41 percent and we inched up to 42 percent of all people living with HIV. So I know we're talking about National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, but it sounds like, you know, other communities of color are also still having issues as well, right? Absolutely. We've seen a, a, an increase. One of the groups that saw an increase in the latest data set around new cases of HIV were Latino gay men. Uh, and as I mentioned, they have a one in four uh, lifetime chance of acquiring HIV. Okay. So the deal here is on this day, People are both asked being to look at the scope of the problem and also think about things that they can do to help protect themselves, their lovers, and their community. Absolutely. I think the stigma is one thing. Again, I think knowing that uh, HIV treatment works and that there are options out there for prevention and engaging and being persistent and, um, and it's seeking out care um, is critical. And, uh, and again, knowing that there is a national effort, we have a national ending the HIV epidemic plan and we need people to engage with it and know that we can do this. That's Mark Meacham at Vive Healthcare, who serves on the Presidential Advisory Committee on HIV AIDS. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, thanks to Ashley Armstrong for her production assistance. Like what you hear? Come back for more and listen up. There will be new episodes of Kaleidoscope with Allison Keys every Friday. Follow the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or review. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Keys, CBS News. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.